message was lost. Part of this message, making mistakes, part three, part one, part two. This is my last visit, I hope, um, with Jehoshaphat. Seeing God at work. Jehoshaphat made some mistakes, but now I want to talk about seeing God at work. You see, Jehoshaphat prayed a, a wonderful prayer. And he placed God in the right place. He reminded God of what he has done. And he reminded God of what he has said. And he called God into action. He prayed a wonderful prayer. You know, this type of praying is needed today. I have to say this. Sadly, I think praying has gone out of fashion. It's not fashionable to pray. And the reason why I think it's gone out of fashion is because so many ministers and pastors pray these long, boring prayers. Long-winded prayers, using words that no one really understands. And the prayers seem to be so long and so boring, it puts people to sleep. And sadly, praying today has no feeling. Praying today has no passion. Praying today has no desire. It's just words, empty words that mean nothing to us and certainly nothing to God. That is the praying that we are seeing in our society today. You go to any, you go to most churches, and the prayer time is the worst time. Go to most churches, and the prayer meeting is empty. Nobody wants to turn up to a prayer meeting. Why? Because ministers and pastors don't put any emphasis on praying. If I have one complaint to make about the church. I have one complaint to make about Christianity is that we are a prayerless church. We are a nation that don't know how to get before God anymore. We are a nation who rather, and I'm talking about a Christian nation, we are a Christian nation who have taken prayer and retired it as something that is unimportant. And so the number one reason why Christianity is not flourishing the number one reason why we have society hating God is because the church is no longer praying. Well, Jehoshaphat stands up and Jehoshaphat says, I'm going to seek God because I know that he can change things. Jehoshaphat stands up and he says, I'm going to pray. Because I know that when I pray, God acts. And so Jehoshaphat stands up and he prays. He puts God in the right place. You alone are God, he says. He brings to God's remembrance. God, you said this and you've done that. And he reminds God of what he has done. And he calls God to act. That's praying. And that is what Jehoshaphat did. So three things then. First thing I want to talk about is hearing because often after we prayed sometimes we can spend some time in prayer but often after we prayed we find that we just move on but praying and seeking God although that is very important we have to stop and we have to listen because this is what 
happened with King Jehoshaphat. He prayed and, and then the, the prophet came up and he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judea and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. It's wonderful to pray and we must pray. But guess what? God wants to speak as well. God wants to talk to you. God has something that he wants to communicate to you. And Jehoshaphat was praying. And as he prayed, the prophet stood up and said, Jehoshaphat, I hear you praying. But God has something to say to you. It's wonderful to hear the voice of God, isn't it? It's wonderful to, to listen to what God has to say. There was a prophet in the Old Testament, a man called Elijah. He fasted for 40 days, went on a long journey uh, for 40 days. And when he got to a mountain, Mount Horeb, when he got to the mountain, he wanted to hear from God. And there was an earthquake and there was a fire and there was a storm. And he was thinking to himself, maybe God is going to be in a fire. Maybe God is going to be in a storm. Maybe God is going to be in an earthquake. He wanted to hear from God. But the Bible turns around and says this. Let me just read this, the, 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 whole, the whole thing to you. Then a great and a powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God was going to speak, but he was going to speak to Elijah in a gentle whisper. Well, I can hear someone say, well, you know, God never speaks to me. I've been in the church for a while. I've been praying. I don't hear God speaking to me in a gentle whisper. I don't hear God speaking to me in a loud voice. I, I, I think you, you, you know, you're talking about things in the Bible that's not really real and relevant to me and to my situation. I don't think God speaks to me. In fact, I've never known God to speak to me. Some of you are probably saying that even as I'm preaching. I never know God to speak to me. I haven't heard a, a still voice. What do you mean God's been speaking? I don't know anything about that. Well, my friend, after you cried out to God, after you prayed, you need to get alone with him. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says something in John, very interesting. Look what Jesus says. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, as a shepherd, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all or out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, you've got to ask me, how can I know the voice of God? i tell you how. You open up the word of God. Because when you open up the word of God, when you 
after you prayed and you've been seeking God and you've been wrestling and you've been agonizing and you've been struggling in prayer with God. Oh God, hear me. When you open up the word of God, you begin to know what his voice sounds like. You begin to say, oh, this is what he sounds like. This is what he says. I recognize his voice. And then some fool comes up behind you and says, I've got a word for the Lord for you. This is what God is telling you. And you say, really? (laughs) What what is he saying? Well, God is saying to I had a guy came up to me and said to me, God has told me to get rid of my wife. Really? Yes, he wants me to be happy. (laughs) Is that God? Well, let me come into his word and see if his word agrees with what you're saying. I want to come back to the word of God. I don't care what you say. You might be right or you might be wrong. But I want to come back to the word of God. Because when I come back to his word, I recognize his voice in his word. Can I encourage you? Don't take my word for it. (laughs) I'm telling you, even when I'm preaching, I want you to go back. And you say, is the pastor right? Is that preacher correct? Let me just check it out myself. The danger with Christianity today and Christians is that they take for granted what the man is saying at the front is always going to be correct. What the man is preaching is always going to be right. But they don't take time to listen to God themselves. And Jesus says, my sheep knows my voice. Not the preacher's voice. Not the million dollar man's voice. Not the man in the local church voice. No, no, no. My sheep knows my voice. I want to ask you this morning, do you know the voice of Jesus? That's what I want to ask you this morning. You say, well, Jerry, how can I know it? Get alone with the Bible. Simple. Open up the text. Read it for yourself. Then you begin to hear how he sounds, what his passions, what his loves are like. And you understand the voice of God. That when anybody tells you anything, you know they're talking rubbish. Because it doesn't line up with the word of God. So Jehoshaphat prayed, cried out to God, oh God. And God said, Jehoshaphat, I hear you. Now hear me. I hear you, Jehoshaphat. I hear you crying out to me. Now be quiet and let me speak to you. And Jehoshaphat had to listen to God. Praise be to God. So hearing is so vitally important. Look at Samuel. Young little boy, couldn't be more than 10 years old. But when God called him, he said something very simple and very profound. Lord, your servant is listening. That's what he said. Lord, speak. That is what God wants from you and me today. Now you're listening to my voice. Praise God. You're listening to the word of God this morning. And what I'm saying, I hope you recognize it's linked in. It has to be tied into the word. It is not tied in the word If it's my imagination and my thinking and my opinion, you haven't come to hear my opinion. My opinion is worthless. I have nothing to say. 
my opinion about politics or about society, nothing to say. But what I have to say in God's word, that is important. God holds his word up and says, hear my word. Not the preacher. Hear my word. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Praise God. Let's move on because there's some fighting that's going to happen here. And as we look, we see God going to speak. What does he say? He says this. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You know, I love that phrase. The battle is not yours, but God. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. What does God mean that the battle is not theirs, but it's his? Let me explain it to you. These people are called, in the Bible, these people are called the people of God. They belong to God. Why do they belong to God? Well, God saw them in Egypt. And God said, I hear their cry. I'm going to deliver them from slavery. And God brought them out of slavery with a mighty hand. He brought them through the wilderness, through the desert, through trials and tribulations. 40 years wandering in the wilderness. He brought them through and he planted them in the promised land. God brought them out from slavery slavery, and planted them in the promised land. They were his people. I don't know about you, but if you're walking down the road or down a park somewhere and you see someone digging a hole in their garden, you probably would ignore them. But if they were in your garden digging a hole, you would have a different reaction. A man in my back garden digging a hole? You drive him out. Well, why? Because that plot of land belongs to you. Now, God's people in the Bible are his. Now, we come to the New Testament. And guess what? You were in slavery to sin. You were bound by wickedness. You may have changed now and, and, and the bad habits that you've done in the past, the, you know, the, the lifestyle that you had are gone. Why is it gone? Because God has saved you. God has rescued you. He brought you out from, 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 from slavery of sin. He brought you out from the tyranny of Satan. He delivered you and rescued you and called you his child. He calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. You belong to God. Praise God. I'd rather be owned by him than owned by anyone else. Well, why? Because God says, now, every struggle you have, every difficulty you have, every pain you have, every battle you have, guess what? It's going to be mine. I'm going to take your stand in the, in the field. The tears that you weep, the brokenness that you feel, the battle and the struggle that you go through is going to belong to me, says the Lord. The battle is mine, not yours. Why is that so? Well, 
Paul says, therefore, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You are now in Christ. Now, if you are in Christ, God will take his stand for you. Whatever difficulty you're facing, how much pain that comes into your life, and I'm telling you, there is sadness, there is pain, there is sorrow. Yes, as Jim said, there is wonderful joys as well. Whatever situation comes into your life, God says, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. I'm taking my stand for you. Praise God. One of the wonderful verses in uh, Paul's writings, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a victory that you can have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on to the worshipping. Because after they have heard this wonderful message, I mean, the prophet came up and said to him, Jehoshaphat, don't worry. God says it's his battle. How did Jehoshaphat respond? Well, he responded like this. The Bible turned around and says that Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before God. They heard the message from the Lord. And God says, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to stand for you. All the difficulties that's coming your way, don't you worry about it, because I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to fight for you. You don't have to lift up a sword or, or a shield. It's going to be taken care of. And their response was falling on their face in worship. Not only that, some of these people couldn't be quiet. They had to shout out, says here, these Levites, these Korites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. You know, when God does something for you, you can't be quiet, you know. You know, when God does something for you, people come to church and say, I'm going to praise God, I'm going to do it quietly. No! When God does something for you, you just want to raise up your voice and declare his greatness. And these men... These Levites, they wanted to worship God and they want to let people know that they're worshipping God. And they worship God, the Bible says, with a loud voice. But I want you to listen to me carefully. They were worshipping God with a loud voice, but guess what? The problem hadn't gone away yet. The army was still coming. They were still coming, the Bible says, up nearer and nearer and nearer to Jerusalem the problem was still there but what was happening in the camp what was happening in the city of Jerusalem I tell you what was happening they were worshipping and praising God even though the army was still coming even though the problem was still rising even though the difficulty hadn't gone away they were still worshipping and praising God in their situation 
Some people think, oh, no, 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 no. I wait until the situation is sorted. I wait until God answers my prayer. Then I will praise him. No, 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 no. God said, I don't want that. I want you to worship me when the battle is still going on. I want you to praise me when the difficulty is still rising up. I want you to lift up your heart in praise to me, even though you don't see a solution yet. I want you to worship me now, not wait till the problem sorted out. I demand praise now, says the Lord. Sadly, so many believers, they get into the problems and the problems get so heavy and they can't lift it up. They get into a situation and depression comes in and they can't get up. But the scripture says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquiet within me, hoping God I will yet praise him, says the word of God. I will yet lift my heart to him. I will yet glorify him. Even though I'm feeling low, I will lift up my praise to the living God. That's what the scriptures calls us to. Jehoshaphat and the whole of Jerusalem praising and worshipping God even though the enemy is still coming. Three kings, a vast army, and they're singing and praising the Lord. You thought they would get the, the battle plans out, working out how they can, no, 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 put the battle plans to one side. Let's praise. Let's worship. I praise God with this whole financial situation with Goldie's Church. One of the main things that I saw the church doing was praising God. Praising God. Someone said, oh, you know the church, you know Goldie's going to shut by August? Oh, it's going to be terrible. But why are they praising God? They're still meeting, singing glory, because God, it was still at work. Praising God is so important. Well, that is what they did. They, they got... On their faces, they worship God, they praise God, even though the problem was still coming. And so we read that as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Listen to what the word of God says. As they began to sing and praise... The Lord. As they began to sing and praise. In the natural, you looked out and you saw people praising God. But in the spiritual, in the heavenly, God was moving. He was not standing still. He was not taking it easy. He was not saying, come on, I need some more praise. No, no, no. As they were worshipping and praising, the Bible said, the Lord moved. You need some revelation this morning. You need to understand what moves God. It's not just simply praying, but praising as well. Not simply saying the right words out of our mouths, but have the right attitude in our hearts. God moves. And when God moves, nothing can stand against him. These men, these armies, come. the Lord just caused confusion in their camp. And they destroyed one another. And when the Israelites came, they looked out and they didn't have to fire one arrow or drew one bow. They didn't have to do anything. The battle was already won. Why? Because God brought confusion to them. 
Why and how did God bring confusion? By the praise of his people. And in closing, what was the praise of his people? Well, he got some singers that went out first. What was the praise? Well, the praise was very simple. Look at the praise. The praise was this. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. That was the praise. Can you imagine an army going into battle? Can you imagine a boxer like Mike Tyson or someone like that going into the boxing ring with this song playing? His love endures forever. He was like, what? You want to come out with a vicious song, you know, you know, like aggression and, you know, you know, I don't know what song you come out with. I, you, know, I, you know, I remember um, Eubanks had the word simply the best and he came out on that tune. You know, you come out with something terrifying. But no, these people were coming out with the words, his love endures forever. His love is very important, you see, because his love was directed to the people of God. What God was saying is that I love you so much that I'm going to watch over you. I love you so much that I'm going to carry you. As a mother carries, as a father carries his son, or as a mother nurse, his, as her, her baby at her breast, I'm going to carry you. And so when they went out into battle, they were singing about the love of God. They were singing about his love that is not a short-lived thing, but it endures and endures and endures and goes on and on and on. And they're singing about the love of God. That was their praise. That was their worship. And so now at the church, what do we do? We need to go back to the cross and say, you see that cross? There is a man on that cross. And what is he saying as he dies? What is he representing as he dies? This is what he says. No greater love has a man than this. That he lays down his love, his life for his brothers. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us. You see, at the right time, God demonstrates his love like this. That while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That's love. And what God is saying to you today is that if you are a Christian today, when you're going through difficulties, when you're going through problems, when you're going through hardships, when life seems to be throwing you a curveball, don't need to look at the problem, but look at the love of God. Don't need to look at the situation and say, oh goodness, how can I get out of that? Look at the love of God and say, oh God, I thank you and praise you that you love me. How do I know that you love me? You died to save me. You delivered me. You cleansed me from sin. You washed me from every filth. Lord, I know that you love me and I thank you and I praise you that even in this problem, you're going to see me through. Why? Because your love endures forever. That is the message that God wants you to hear this morning. Jehoshaphat prayed. And after he prayed, he heard that God will deliver them. God will rescue them. God will save them. Why? Because of his love that is working in their hearts and in their lives. My dear friends, do you know the love of Jesus? Do you know the love of Jesus? Do you know his love so much that it would cause a change to take place in your life? Oh, it's no longer a mental ascent. 
It's no longer an intellectual thing. Oh, yes, he loved me. No, that's not good enough. It has to go down into our very hearts and move us to say, oh, God, thank you for Christ. And because you love me, as Jim said in his prayer, I want to love you back. Sadly, Christians today are very, very quick to turn away from God. The fancy things of this world tend to draw us away. And then when problem comes, we moan and we groan and we complain. But what God wants is for his church to constantly be turning their eyes upon him. As Jehoshaphat says, Lord, our eyes are upon you. Where are your eyes this morning? I beseech you, I beg you, please, place your eye upon Christ. Understand how much he loves you. How valuable you are to him. No man's love can compare to the love of Christ. No woman's love can compare to the love of Christ. His love endures. Therefore, keep your eye on him. And when you do that, he will carry you. I don't care what the storm is like. I don't care if you have to go through what Tim and I had to go through by losing Benjamin. I don't care. God carried us. Carried us. Why? Because he loved us. And I don't care what kind of difficulty you're facing. I want to tell you this morning, the same thing that was true for us can be true for you. Whatever you're going through, the battle is not yours. It belongs to God and he will carry you through every storm. Until you reach safely to the harbor of glory. And say, oh God, thank you for carrying me. I bless you. And I praise you. Let's pray. Oh God. Oh God, forgive the church. Forgive the church. Not just this church, but every church. Forgive the church.